One, two, three. Hey, thank you very much. I thought I was on before, but just shouting into her microphone. <laughs> okay, just get the volume just right and we're ready to go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to read a verse. I want to just share with you a, a message today, the power of God's word. And uh, how many know we're living in a day of information overload? <laughs> There's so much information. How many of you got computers? You look on the computer and search the internet and how many of you found when you start there, it just kind of just goes and goes and goes, and suddenly you've done a lot of time there and a lot of information come in? And uh, how many find they don't even really even use a lot of the information? And uh, it's one of the challenges we, we face today is, is an information overload, and what happens is life becomes shallower, and our life becomes more shallow. And I want to just share with you uh, from this uh, passage here, and just I want to open up just the importance of God's Word in your life and its power to change you. Let's look at this verse here. It says in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, For this reason we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which also effectually works in you who believe. And you, brethren, became imitators of the church of God, in Judea, in Jesus Christ, and suffered the same things as your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans. Notice what it says here. It says that the Word of God works. And that word there means literally to energize. Now, that's an extraordinary thing to say. There are only four things in the Bible that it says create energy in you, create life in you, or cause there to be an outworking of your life in some way. The first one it refers to is sin. The Bible says sin works in you. How many have struggled with sin at some time and know that it's a real energy and a force inside you? How many know that? Well, I would hope everyone would put their hand up because it's very important to acknowledge sin's a reality until you depart this world. It pushes on you to go to the dark side. Isn't that right? You get angry, get bitter, want to pay people back. Uh, get uh, all kinds of irritable, all sorts of things. That's the sin energy. It's very real. And so the word the Bible uses to describe how sin activates in our life is it energizes you in a negative way. Likewise, it says in, uh, in, in Ephesians 2, it says that the devil also works in those who are not aligned or disobedient to God. So evil spirits energize you, create bondages you can't get free of. Philippians 2, it says that God's Spirit energizes you to do His will. So there's a reality of God working in you to lead you to know and to do the will of God, to even want to do what God wants. How many of you have found in your life there's this desire to please God? It just is there. It's there to please God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when sin comes, you find there's a turmoil and it's that desire to reconnect with God and move forward with God. That's the Holy Spirit inside you. So the Holy Spirit energizes us. And now likewise, it says that the Word of God, when you believe it, creates a positive force inside you that changes your life. Most Christians try to self-help. We try to just do something that will make us a better person rather than lean on someone who did the work and believe what they have to say about us. There's a great difference between reading that I'm blessed uh, if I do this, and then I'm blessed if I do that, than reading in the Scripture in the New Testament where it says, in Jesus Christ, 
I am blessed already. Now, how does a blessed person live? By believing what God says about me. Not trying to make it happen, but living out of faith. Okay then, so there is something unusual about God's Word. And there's so many scriptures about it, I couldn't put them all in today and I wouldn't want to. But there's something unique. When God speaks His Word, there is power in it to change your life. Jesus said, the words I speak, they are spirit. And they bring life, or they are life to you. So there's something about God's Word that has power to change your life and bring things into being that weren't there. In the beginning in Genesis, it says that when God created the Word, the Spirit of God moved, so there was an atmosphere of the Spirit of God present, and then when the Word was spoken, the Spirit moved on the Word, and there started to come into being all of creation. And so the Word brings things into being that were not there before or causes them to bring forth fruit. So it's an amazing thing, but the key is that I have to believe that word. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. So there's a number of pictures in the Bible of the word, or metaphors, or just a picture. It helps you to kind of get an idea of what the word can do. So we know the word is living, it's energized. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, uh, 4, it says it's quick and powerful, can get right into your heart. So how many bought a Bible today? Oh, that's great. Right, how many read their Bible regularly? That's great. Awesome. See, the Word of God is quick. So here's some pictures of the Word of God. In Jeremiah 3, it says, The Word of God is a hammer that breaks the hard rocks. You can use the Word of God to break down things that normally. It says in that same verse, The Word of God is a fire. He says, As I meditated on the Word of God, oh, something burned in me. See? So the Word of God is quite unusual. It's not like just reading another novel. You read a novel, ho You read the Word of God, can be ho well. But when there is faith in the words you read, and when somehow you become connected to it, fire begins to start to burn inside you. And a lot of believers run from a meeting to a, meet, to a meeting rather than actually taking God's Word and deploying it in their life, so it becomes a raging fire. Oh, believe me, that word can shift and change the energy level in you massively. can change whole body dynamic. It's amazing what God's word can do. So it says in Ephesians, of course, it says the word of God is a sword to defeat the devil. That's how Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word God is speaking. So when the devil came to Jesus... He didn't get into some complicated thing. He just got the word in his heart, rose up, he spoke out of his mouth, that devil's gone. In 1 John 4, it says, uh, children, you keep needing to be reminded God loves you, forgave your sins, and get yourself forgiven again. But young man, oh, you are strong, and the word of God is in you. You overcome the devil. A lot of people don't overcome devils. They get overcome by them. And the core problem, is lack of the Word of God in their life. Need the Word of God in their heart. Word of God in their life. Need to place value on the Word of God. What God says. Not what all the internet says. Not what some other people say. But what God says to you personally from His Word. So, all sorts of things. It tells us that the Bible, uh, uh, the Word of God is like water. It washes us. 
tells us in Ephesians 5. It tells us in James that the Word of God in chapter 2 of James, it says, is a mirror when you look into it. Oh my God, I see what I'm really like. So the Word of God is powerful. It's able to affect your life. But the key here is what you do with it, what you do with it. So I want you to have a look with me. Here's the first thing we need to say is God's Word can transform your life. It's got power to do it. It's not normal. It's not like another book. It has power to change your life. Convict, change, empower you. It can wash you clean so you start to feel right again on the inside. It can convict you and show you things about yourself. It's able to break down hard areas of your life. God's Word has got power to transform you. The second thing to see then is that how you respond to the Word of God is the key for what happens with it. Many times I've sat and read the Bible and I tell you I got tired and fell asleep. And other times I've read it, I read a whole chapter, three chapters, whatever, I couldn't remember what I'd read. So I realized it's not just a matter of reading the Bible. It's getting the Word of God so it's alive in your heart. And that's what this course is. We've got 40 days in the Word coming up. will be about how to get the Word so it's in your heart and it's living for you. That's a big, big key. If you've got that one key to your life, it will transform your life. So let's have a look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4. This is the famous parable of the sower and the seed. And of course, if you've been a Christian for a while, immediately you say, well, I know that. And uh, let's go. I wonder if you knew this part then. Verse 23. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And he said, take here what you hear, for the same measure you use or apply what you hear, it'll be measured to you. For those who hear, more will be given. Whoever has, to him will more be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So the whole context of this parable is, this is foundational to growing and advancing in the kingdom of God. He said, Jesus himself there, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand anything much in the word of God. This is foundational. So he said, the word of God is a seed. It has the power to grow and produce a massive change in your life, but there are conditions. The problem is never the seed, the problem is always the soil. Problem's not the seed. The seed is a good seed. It's the soil. The Bible says Scripture has been breathed in by God. So therefore God's very life is in it. The problem is in the soil, and the soil is your heart, your openness to God, and your response. Now, in a Western culture, when we hear the word hearing, let him that has ears to hear, let him hear. We think well, I came and I listened to the message. There you go. Actually, more than that, I tuned in on the internet. I downloaded several and listened to them too. Actually, I've listened to a whole heap of messages. And uh, that's not what this is referring to. That's a part of it. There's a difference between listening and hearing. You listen with your ears, but you hear with your heart. And, and from a Bible point of view, there is no difference. When they say the word hear, they mean actually that you took it in and then began to apply it in your life. So in the Bible, if you heard something, you're living it out. We think if we heard something, oh, it was a great message. What was that again? I didn't take any notes. I don't remember any of it. Spoke something about the Word of God. What was it again? Now, now you see, from a biblical perspective, a Hebrew perspective, to hear means to take it in and then apply it into your life so it's now outworked in your life. And herein is the big problem, is we do a lot of listening but not much biblical hearing. And Jesus said, hearing has to do with your heart. In other words, you can stand and listen to someone talk and not at all notice what's going on, and you're talking on another wavelength. 
what I was impressed with Laura was she's a hearer. She, she actually listens to people in such a way that they feel she's listening, so therefore they want to talk to her. So God is talking all the time, and he's not sure we're wanting to listen. So listening is an attitude of the heart, and it's an attitude, I want to know God more intimately, and whatever God says to me, I want to apply that into my life because it'll be good for me. The Bible says that God has exalted his word above his name. In other words, his word is very, very high in his thing. He says, I watch over my word to fulfill it, never return to me void. So God is always speaking. Our difficulty is in hearing. So let's just go a little further in here on this one here. In James chapter 1, there is a real problem if we listen to the word of God but don't hear it and apply it in our life. You know the scripture. There's nothing new about it. The last one we saw, you notice that when you have a heart to hear, God gives you more. But if you stop hearing God because you've become hardened to God because of disappointment or offense or, or lost hope or whatever, you go backwards. You don't stay there. He, he that doesn't have ears to hear, even what he thinks he has, he'll lose. It'll be taken away from him. So in God, you're progressing in revelation or you're going backwards. So, and the key is what I do with what I hear. Now, when I go on the, I look at the internet, I think, my goodness, man, there's preachers and churches everywhere on earth, do I even go? So I first of all, I want to start with what God wants to say to us. Because what he's saying here may not be the same as what he's saying in other parts of the world. I need to know what God is saying here to me at this time. And I look around, but usually I try and find out what God's saying to me and then see if there's any other place that someone's saying the same thing. Otherwise, you go out looking for all kinds of things and you tend to end up being caught up a lot of information that you never really apply. Notice what it says in James chapter 1. It says here, Lay aside filthiness and wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. There it goes again. It says, we need to learn to receive the word so it's engrafted into our soul. That's not just hearing. I need to engraft the word into my soul and it has power. It is able, that's the word dunamis, has supernatural power to save you. So I need, I need saving. If you've got bad attitudes, you need the word of God to help shift the attitude. It's no use just wrestling against sin or wrestling with issues in life. God has provided his word which when it gets in our heart, engrafted into our heart so it's a part of us, it has power to change us. The engrafted word will save your soul. And then he says, notice this, however, he said, be doers of the word, not just hearers only, because you'll deceive yourself. Now that's an amazing statement. When you listen to lots of messages, but apply nothing to your life, you end up in woolly delusion. That's what he's saying. You end up in a place where you think you're really going well and actually you're not. The core is not how many messages I'm hearing, but whether when God speaks, I respond and do what he said. That is the key to your life going forward. So it's not in how many messages you're getting, it's in what you're doing with what you get. And so the question then is, when did God last speak to you in the midst of a message, and then what did you do in response to that? That's the core challenge. And if you did nothing, then here's, what, here's the delusion. Oh, I know that. 
I know that. The biblical knowing is, is different. Biblical knowing is you know what you're living out. The other stuff's theory. And that's where the delusion is. So he said, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looks in a mirror. And he looks at himself and says, oh, look, spots and things like that. Oh, I don't like the look of that. And he walks away and then just forgets about it. I put that out of my mind. So when you look in the word of God, it exposes something of your life. But if you don't make a response, then you walk away. You just forget about it. And it's, just, it's like you never even got it. And we'll see why in just a moment. Because there are certain things that will come against you when you try to walk in the Word and hold the Word of God in your life. So there it is. So I need to then have the Word engrafted. And the only way I know to engraft the Word into your life is through meditation. I won't explain a lot on meditation, but meditation means to picture, imagine, to murmur over, but to take time to dwell on what God has given you until, and repeatedly dwell on it until it takes a place in your heart. So meditation and confession are the best ways to get the Word of God to start to become engrafted in your heart for faith to grow and then you can begin to start to, and then you begin to act on it. So that's how we do it. So now when we apply the Word, it starts to make us stable. Now let's have a look at another thing. Here's the thing, that the responses, I want to share with you some responses out of Thessalonians that can change your life. I looked at the Thessalonian church and I realized actually it says not only they received the word, but they actually responded to it in certain ways. So I want you to see what the Thessalonians did that was interesting and can help us. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, let's go back to it again. It said, when you heard the word of God, it said, you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God which works powerfully in you who believe. So notice the first thing is, the first thing is they place great value on God's Word. Now, a lot of people would speak and talk, but they placed immense value on the Word of God and its power to change us. We sometimes think if we had a great experience of God, that would change us. It can, and sometimes it doesn't. We think if we had some heavenly vision, it would change us. For some, it does. For many, it doesn't. I've seen people have major visions, but their life never changed as a result of what they saw. The Bible's very clear. The Word can and does change us when we get it into our life. So notice the first thing that they placed a high value on the Word of God. So here's the question then, what priority do you place on God's Word in your life? How important is it to you? How important is it to read it? How important is it to think on it and let God speak to you out of, out of His Word? Unfortunately, TV is incredibly seductive. The internet is seductive. There are so many places, you know, they're very wonderful things and can help you and even Christian programs can come. But at the end of the day, you've got to settle down. What is God speaking to me? How will I respond? Otherwise, you hear the thing and then it's just all gone. Psalm 1 verse 1 to 4, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight or passion is in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So one of the great things you can do at night is go to bed with a verse of the Bible or something from the Word of God, picturing it, meditating it. Sometimes I, I picture heaven as it describes it in the, in, in the book of Revelation and begin to meditate until I can start to feel myself engaging. Wonderful to go to bed at night meditating. The last thing before you went to sleep was the Word of God flowing through your soul First thing when you wake up, the Word of God flowing through your soul. Blessed is the man who does that. 
he will be blessed. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water whose uh, leaf does not wither, brings forth fruit in the season. He'll be blessed. That's a great promise, just that one. He'll be blessed. You'll be blessed if you do that. So that's the first thing, to delight in the Word of God. Second thing is, they believed it. It works effectively in you who believe. Now, they actually believe the Word of God. Believing is always a choice because you're faced with your thoughts and your feelings and your circumstances and you're faced with what God says. And often they're quite contrary. The Bible says, in Him we have forgiveness. I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel very forgiven at all. I feel very bad. No, 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 no. The Bible says, we have forgiveness. So there's something in you, there's something you believe about your condition that is contrary to the Word of God. And many times, the things that hold our life back are lies that we believe in our heart, birthed out of traumatic and painful situations, and we don't stop to see whether those what those lies are in the light of the Word of God, whether it's really true. Well, God couldn't forgive me. Yes, He has already. But your heart doesn't believe it. There's a hard ground that's resistant. And so we need to displace the lie and let the Word of God come in so that the automatic response, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed. I stand boldly in the presence of my God and Father. I tell you, there's a boldness comes when there's faith in your heart. Quite extraordinary boldness comes when we hold on to the word. So here's the so you believe the word, you've got to make a choice. In Ephesians, in Hebrews 4, verse 2, it says the people of Israel were or the, the gospel was preached to them. Get this, it says it didn't do them any good. It didn't profit them. Why didn't it profit them? This is why it didn't profit them, because they were not mixed with faith in their heart. They didn't actually believe what they heard. They didn't believe words of finances. They didn't believe words about healing. They didn't believe words about marriage. They didn't believe words about family. They didn't believe words about the possibilities in life. They just did not believe. They heard a preach. They just didn't believe. And because there was no, notice this, the word was not without power. The word had power to shift them. In fact, there were two people who did believe and they entered into a glorious inheritance. I've been a bit old when he Oh, Caleb at 85, and he said, oh, my strength is here today like it was years ago. Not many 85-year-old people like that, except maybe Phil Harmon or someone like that, you know. See someone like here, and you have a look at the eyes, and the the word, and you'll notice she'll speak that word. See? Now, it's no mistake that she's so vibrant at that age. You know, got the word inside them. See, and, and it's what Caleb said, all oh, my strength to come in and go out is like it was all those 40 years ago, and I'm still ready. Give me another mountain. And that a great spirit at 85. So if you're under 85, no excuses. No excuses for the attitude. Come on. See, just at 85, you're saying, oh, I've been, he said, I have been kept for 40 years by a promise of God, and I'm not going to retire right now. This is my chance. Give me the mountain that had the giants that stopped everyone. Give me the big one. Now, don't you love that? That's faith. Faith speaks when it's in your heart. You know, for 40 years, he had funeral services every day. But every day, someone died. He rose up in faith and said, but I will see the land. And so, when the circumstances were negative, he looked, there's another funeral. One less before I get there. I'm there on the way. I can imagine the time pretty 
Well, everyone of that generation had died, and there's only one guy left. I'm watching you. Because <laughs> when you're gone, I'm entering in. <laughs> the last day, oh, you see, he didn't be sad over the funeral, he's rejoicing. My time has come. Think about Joseph, 13 years in prison, kept by the word of God, it says in Psalm 103. The word transformed him. He held it. And because he held on to what God said in spite of adversity. Now, that's a hard thing for us to understand. When you're down there in the slave pit, oh, I have a dream. And then when you've been sold into slavery, oh, I have a dream. You need a dream, and only God's Word can give it to you. People that stay vibrant and alive have a dream alive in them, have something in their heart that God birthed. Oh, tell someone, good stuff, come on. I'm feeling stirred already. The Word of God has power to change us. Okay, so here's the third thing you need to do. They believed it. third thing you need to do is hold on to the Word of God. We have to hold on. Now, there's always a conflict over what God says. How many know that? If God, God has promised many things to you, but I tell you now, there's a conflict before you get them. And Jesus spoke, remember he shared the parable of the sower. Now, if you don't think there's any conflict, I'll show you a couple of verses here. Verse chapter, two, chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 6. And you became followers of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. So there was a lot of pressure and difficulty around them getting the word of God and changing. These Thessalonians really had a hard time. Look what Paul said. Uh, even after we suffered before and were despitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold in God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So when these guys got saved, like it is true in a lot of parts of the world, there was a huge conflict over them getting the Word of God. If you read about it in Acts chapter 17, and you find in Acts chapter 17, they came and preached the Word of God, and people began to respond, and Paul was teaching there over three weeks, and, and people were coming to the Lord, and, and Paul was staying in, in Jason's house. And there was a stir of opposition. And the religious people went down, and they stirred up some lawyers, and the lawyers stirred up. In fact, actually, there was a riot because of the Word of God. And they came and they stormed Jason's house trying to find Paul to kill him. Why? For preaching the Word of God. And they couldn't find him there, so they dragged out Jason and they made false accusations and then find him and they, they probably wrecked the house. You have a look on television, you'll find in places like Pakistan and many countries in the world, their homes looted and burned and their lives in jeopardy because they believed the Word of God. There is a contention for the Word of God. You say, well, I'm glad I'm in New Zealand. Yeah, well, out there, the enemy's quite clear. But here, it's not clear. Apathy, indifference, she'll be right. Tiredness. Oh, so tired. You know, and these long, hot days. See, so we get sapped. That's an enemy. So when Jesus spoke the parable of the sower and the seed, he declared that before you produce good fruit, you've got to have a good heart. But he said, a good heart has got to overcome a few things. The first thing I've got to overcome is the devil or demons. He said, the first thing that happens when you hear God's word spoken to you, some demon will pull it out of your heart and you've forgotten you got distracted with something else. And he said, the second thing that happens is that uh, he talked about the, the soil, which was, which was not uh, very deep. The, the word didn't get a root in their heart, didn't get a root for a reason. But he says, the soil was stony. 
And it says, when the seed fell on the stony soil, it said, they were happy to hear the word. They were excited. And then when a bit of pressure came, then they quit and gave up. So there's always some problems when the word comes. First, it's with demons. Second, it's with difficulties. Pressure and difficulty. Now, you may hear a word on marriage. You get so inspired. Man, I need to do something about my marriage. You come home and announce, I really want to do something about our marriage. Then the difficulties begin. <laughs> or perhaps it's finance. You hear something about finance and you get inspired about living debt-free and you come home and say, we need to make some changes around here. And then the difficulties begin. So it doesn't really matter. You think, well, I got inspired today. I need to go home and, and get into the Word, and I'll get up tomorrow and get into that Word, and that's when the difficulties begin. The difficulties always come following the sowing of the Word. And the difficulties are there to cause the Word just to end up withering. So you were excited, then you're not excited, and your life hasn't changed. That's all it is. And it's just some pressure comes. Difficulties come. The only way to deal with that is to get the Word of God in your heart, which is what this course is we're doing about. It's about getting the Word into your heart through meditation, confession, allowing God's Word to find a place where it can produce fruit. Third thing it says, uh, difficulties, distractions. Jesus said, oh, well, there's someone there and they got the Word and it was a pretty good heart and the Word started to produce good fruit. And then what happened was a lot of other things came along. Well, I had kids and got married and had mortgage and had all these things. got so busy in the end. It was, what happened to my walk with God? I don't know what happened to it. Got distracted, said the things that distract, you, uh, the first thing distracts, Jesus pointed out, are worries. Worries will take you off course. Worries. You just get worried about this, worried about that, and that divides your heart, and the word doesn't produce any fruit. Second thing that it does is, is just the pleasures of life. Just, we go, oh, we'll go to the beach. I oh, can't be bothered getting into the word today, just go to the beach, just have a nice time in the sun, I'm too tired. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And gradually these things go uh, He says that the love of money or the deceitfulness of money, Money is a great deceit because it promises much, delivers little, and is totally insecure. And yet, it can cause our heart to turn away from God and produce no fruit. So, all of these kind of things. Jesus said these things all come. But, there's a good ground. And if you can get God's Word to rest in your heart, if you can apply processes of meditation and allowing God's Word to come in your heart and discovering if there are contrary beliefs that resist the Word, because you've got to remove those as well, if you, for example, God says, here's, here's what God says, you are precious in His sight. But if you stop and think for a little while, how precious do I feel most of the time? Many people would say, actually, I don't feel of any value whatsoever. So now God's saying one thing, and yet your heart is saying something else. It's because there's a belief in your heart, there's something rooted in your heart that is opposing God's Word. And so I have to be willing to deal with that thing in the heart and pluck that thing up and plant in the Word of God and hold what God says. I'm of great value to God. So I failed today. No matter. I'm of great value to God. I'm precious to God. He thinks about me. He's planned my life. I'm precious in His eyes. See, now a lot of people live with huge bondages over their life and they're connected to believing a lie. We haven't got room to go there. We need to believe the Word of God we need to find a way to get that word in our heart so it produces fruit. Here's the last, so we need to hold the word of God. Here's the last thing that they did. They acted on the word. I know they acted on the word because look at these statements about what they did. And you see, at the end of the day, having heard the word, you've still got to make a decision what you do. Look what they did. And here's several things that they did. Number one, 
in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, they, they abandon their idols. So one of the first things to do when you hear God's word is, is something else an idol in my heart that I need to get rid of? Is the TV an idol? Is, what is an idol? that I, It says they abandon their idols. That tells you the word got in their heart. Their response was to deal with anything that blocked their relationship with God. They confronted it, put it out of their life. Second thing is, in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, they became followers of the Lord. So they became followers. They became Christ-centered. They centered their life around Christ, following Him, representing Him. Third thing they did was they became incredibly teachable, became followers of, the, of us, and the Lord, having received the word. Notice they become followers of Paul and his ministry. Now, what that means is simply this, is they became teachable. They wanted to learn the ways of God. They didn't just make a one-off decision to come to Christ. There was an ongoing discipleship process that took place that spelled out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2. Here's the third thing that they become. In verse 7, it said they became an example to everyone. Their lives were so transformed that they became an example, a powerful example to everyone else. How did this happen? They responded to the Word of God. They did something. So what three things did they, did? they, found, did they do? They found here in verse 3. He said, I remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Three things that they did that made them stand out. Here's number one. Works of faith. Faith without works is dead. When you believe the Word of God, it should show up with something happening in your life. And they became known for their amazing faith, their ability to believe God in the midst of opposition, difficulties, hard times. They held on to God's Word. They spoke God's Word. They declared the faithfulness of God. They were known for their faith. In, in the second letter to Thessalonians, Paul writes of how your faith grows incredibly. In other words, they're growing and going on from faith to faith. Second thing is their labor of love. In other words, they included in their life activities that were cost effort, energy and effort, and they were acts of kindness to people. You know how they could tell that they changed? They got rid of the idols, become Christ-centered, become quite teachable. Their faith started to grow, and the supernatural was seen, and they were kind to people. They did good acts to one another. They actually helped one another. Because love for one another is the way you demonstrate your reality of God. And the last thing was, which is an interesting one, your patience of hope. In other words, they had a positive attitude in the midst of difficulties. They didn't sort of go, oh no, the financial recession, what do we do? Or in their case, oh no, the persecution, what will we do? They didn't do that. They had a positive attitude. God would work everything for their good. They had a positive attitude and they stayed positive and joyful. See, these are some of the evidences that show the Word is working in your life. These are some of the responses. Is there an idol? Why don't you put it out of your life? What place does Christ have in your life? Why not make Him the first place and start to build a relationship every day with Him? Are you open and teachable? You're in a group where someone can talk into your life? Is there anyone can talk into your life? Are you receptive to adjustment and growth and change? That's an evidence that your life is going on with God. Third thing, is there an evidence overflowing outward that in the midst of your life, you're seeing breakthroughs in faith, you're seeing acts of kindness to people, and you've got a great attitude when there's difficulty going on. And here's the last evidence of their faith. It says, from you, the Word of God sounded out into your area, 
right beyond that through the whole region. Everyone heard about Jesus because of you guys. The word sounded out. In other words, there was a buzz, there was an energy, there was a light, there was something going on, and they were just very vocal about Jesus and very vocal about what he was doing. And when the persecution increased, they got more vocal. Isn't that great? Evidence, and this is the Word of God. Now notice almost all of those references I gave you have to do with receiving and responding to the Word of God. Receiving and responding to the Word of God. So what place does the Word of God have in your life? When you hear it, how do you respond to it? Let's just close our eyes right now. You know, God wants to help every one of us, to bless every one of us. He has made us blessed, but our choice is how we respond to His Word. Just close your eyes right now and I just want to ask you a couple of questions to think about. What value do you place on the Word of God? Is it high or low or indifferent or somewhere in between? Are you having time reading the Word of God? What is God speaking to you from His Word? Do you journal it and write it down so you can remember it? Second thing, when did God last speak to you through His Word? Was that a long time ago? What do you need to do about that? What did you last do about the things that God was talking to you about? Here's the third thing. Are there any idols to repent of? Are there things that are actually blocking your progress in maturing as a believer that you need to abandon? They're just in the way. I had one. It was my old Ford V8 car and I had to get rid of it. I was glad to see it go because it had become an idol and it needed to go. There's always something. What is it in your life that consumes your energy and attention and is taking away from you growing as a disciple? Uh, is there, how teachable are you? Can anyone talk into your life? Do you have anyone talking into your life? Are you connected in a group or you just come and sit in a crowd so you can be distant and separated and no one gets close enough to know whether you're really following Christ at all? Just think about these things. You know, are there acts of kindness and acts of faith? What about your attitude? Is it positive? What are you sharing with others about what God is doing in you? So whatever God has spoken to you today, make a note of it because you may forget the whole message, but in the midst of it, the one thing that will count will be what God said. I want you to do this. As you listen to His Spirit, I know He will speak to you and say, something to you that you need to respond to. What is that? Write it down or it'll be gone before you get home. It'll just be plucked out of your memory. You'll forget it. Now, what was it God told me? I know he spoke to me now in that little quiet time there. I know he spoke to me. What did he say? Write it down. Write it down the back of a something. Borrow a pen if you need to. Say, God spoke to me today. Do this or respond to this. Maybe there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus. This would be a great day to receive the Lord great day to open your heart to receive Jesus Christ. The Word of God tells us clearly that Jesus Christ died on a cross to deal with the separation in your life and mine, a separation caused by sin. When Jesus died on the cross, He carried the full penalty of all our sin and made it possible for us because He rose from the dead and had victory over this for us to be free from sin and death. What an amazing thing that Jesus has done for us, but it requires a response. So uh, here's my invitation. Is there any person here today willing to receive Christ, to become a Christian, give your life to Jesus today, connect with God?
Would you raise your hand? Just let me know right now. Just raise your hand. Is there any person here today, right at that point? Just show me. Is there any person here today? Any person here, right at that place of receiving the Lord? Just raise your hand. I wonder how many people today God spoke to you something that you need to take in and do something about. Would you raise your hand? Just say, God spoke to me today. Spoke to me clearly and strongly and strongly. That's wonderful. Father, I just thank you. Father, I just thank you for all that you have done. I thank you, Lord, for the work of your word in our heart. I thank you, Lord, that you're causing an increasing hunger for the word of God and a desire for us to grow and become established in your word. Let your word become established in our heart that our lives might be strong, stable, and fruit-bearing and give honor to you. May the word of God sound out from us because of what you are doing in our life and heart because we chose to believe and trust your words and Jesus, we give you all the honor. Everyone said, Amen, Amen. amen. Praise the Lord.